Good day and good evening, listeners. I am Mark Kamire, and I'm here to tell you about my podcast, The Rantings of a Maniac. Do you enjoy rants? Do you enjoy nerdy things as I do? Well, come on over and check out my show. This is the show where I give you a sneak peek into the inner workings of the things that I am passionate about, the things I loathe, or the things that make me laugh or cry. It's all here. Go to your podcasting places, either on Anchor, Apple, Google, Spotify, or anywhere you find podcasts, and join me for a rant or two. Hello, good evening, and welcome to another edition of The Rantings of a Maniac. I am your host, Mark Kamire. This is the show where I give you a sneak peek into the inner workings of my mind, the things that I love, the things that I loathe, the things that make me laugh or cry. It is all here. How are you today? How are you tonight? How are you in general? The last time you visited... I got a little serious. Uh, Things were heavily weighing on my mind, and I just had to get out my frustrations. Probably not the right platform to do it. But then again, if this isn't the right platform, then what is? So instead of being the harbinger of doom as the last episode, we're going to lighten it up a little bit. At least I hope so. Going to give you the same kind of familiar flavor that you are used to if you have been listening to me for any long or short period of time. So it's summer, 2020. 20 this year has not been has not been very kind to us, not at all, and it continues to not be kind because not because of the the virus going around and not because of the spikes. No, no, no. And this seems trivial, but I'll go ahead and address it. It's not being kind to the world of conventions. Summertime is convention season, most certainly, whether it be uh, just straight up comic book conventions or all all kinds of conventions for the uh, geeky, nerdy realm that we all love so much. Usually, it's a comic book convention regardless, but you know what I'm getting at here. And looks like... A lot of conventions not happening or they're happening virtually. And apparently, the biggest con of them all, the San Diego Comic Con, they are going virtual. Studios are bringing in their own presentation so that you can watch it from the comfort of your own home. Watch the presentation they were going to bring you. It's not a live atmosphere, so I'm sure that's going to that's gonna sting a bit. But nevertheless, at least you're getting something. Most people who go to San Diego Comic-Con anyway, they go for the presentation for the media, the the movies, the TV shows, things of that nature. Sadly, the comic book side of it, even though the comic books are the whole reason for the convention, has sort of been put to the wayside. But don't let that discourage you from reading comics. It's still a very important medium, uh, especially these days. So buy your comics, keep reading them, keep celebrating them, keep going to conventions when they're available, and getting your comics. But I bring up Comic-Con because, unfortunately, probably the biggest draw that has ever graced the San Diego area of Comic-Con, and I'm talking about 
Marvel Studios, the <laughs> we could call them the grand champions. The word on the street is they are not presenting anything for this year's San Diego Comic Con. That's the word. We are very closely approaching the actual date of when Comic Con was supposed to arrive. Matter of fact, it might be uh, this current week. I'm not sure. Double check the math on that. But if that's the case, and if the rumor is that they don't have a presentation, let's just humor the idea that that is the fact. That they do not have anything to present. Well, let me, let me, let me amend that statement. They have things to present. They are choosing not to. Now, you can go ahead and say, well, honestly, after, you know, 10 plus years now of the MCU, we're going on year 12, actually, after their billions of dollars and monumental success, they've earned the right to not do any of that. They don't really owe us anything. We've been given so much as viewers and fans of the MCU. If the powers that be, namely Kevin Feige, the president of Marvel Studios, the the genius that he is, if he decides he does not want to present a slate for what is to come at this year's Comic-Con, he is perfectly within his rights to say no and we have to accept it. He can do that. That does not mean that he won't give us something later because he's been known to do that as well. So... Let's let's go ahead and and sort of uh, uh, let's accept that we're not getting a Marvel Studios slate this year. It's sad. It's disappointing a little bit because, like I say, it's always a show, especially when they show in. They're like the they are like the headliners. If Comic Con is a rock concert, a festival, if you will, the headliners are always Marvel Studios, and it always seems to be neck and neck between uh, Disney and Marvel versus Warner Brothers and DC. And some years it feels like DC wins the convention, but they don't win the rest of the year. And then chances are Marvel's going to win both. But let's entertain the idea and take it as gospel. Marvel's not going to be there this year. Okay. Well, I bring up that to bring up this, because lately, you know what's been on my mind? We have not yet been introduced to the MCU version of the Fantastic Four. The reason being, uh, I mean, long story short, Marvel didn't have the rights, the the, the movie rights, the, distribu- the dis- distribution rights, the movie rights, whatever you want to call them, the film rights, Marvel did not have them. They were owned by Fox. And we saw what Fox Studios tried to do with Fantastic Four three times. Now, you know, you can say what you want about those three movies, but the fact is they didn't pull in enough money to draw in a massive audience. Not like let's say, the X-Men franchise that was also under the Fox Studios umbrella. Hence why we didn't get 
the X-Men or any other mutants in the MCU early on. They were making too much money for Fox. That was their cash cow in the superhero game. And they had Fantastic Four, but they just... I guess they just couldn't make it work. Like I said, we can say what we want about the individual movies, but the last time they tried, I'll go ahead and say it, they missed the mark. You can blame the filmmakers and the writers and everybody if you want to. Ultimately, it was a studio call. And they missed the mark. They couldn't figure it out. So... While they still owned the rights there, we were never going to get the Fantastic Four in the MCU. However, now, now that Disney owns the Fox movie rights, they own all of the uh, 20th Century Fox films, now they've all come home to Marvel. So it is only a matter of time before the Fantastic Four make their journey into the MCU. But here's the thing. The Fantastic Four, if you don't know, they're called Marvel's first family. And why they're called that is because quite literally, they were the first ones to do it. They were the first book that Stan Lee and Jack Kirby created that would give way to everything we know now as Marvel Comics. Think about that. Where do you get the character of Galactus and Silver Surfer? Right there on the pages of Fantastic Four. Where do we get introduced to the Black Panther? Fantastic Four. Namor, the Submariner, Prince of Atlantis. Right there in the pages of Fantastic Four. And honestly, it goes on and on and on. There is more connection to Fantastic Four than anywhere else within the Marvel Universe. So if that first book fails, who's to say what happens? Maybe Iron Man doesn't happen. Maybe the Incredible Hulk doesn't happen. Thor doesn't happen. Captain America was already created before Fantastic Four. However, Stan Lee did write Captain America later on. So does that run ever happen? If Fantastic Four doesn't succeed, because if that if Fantastic Four doesn't succeed, then there's no Avengers. No Ant-Man, no uh, Spider-Man even. Maybe not even Spider-Man. So when you call them Marvel's first family, it, it means so much more. And the fact that we still haven't, at least in my opinion, we haven't gotten a movie that fully encapsulates what it means. Or we just haven't had a full realized Fantastic Four uh, film. And that's gotta, I mean, that's gotta be frustrating, especially if you're a fan of the group. And if you respect the history there's so much history. And I, and I bring up the Fantastic Four because uh, if you follow me on Instagram and Twitter, you know I've been kind of having this... Uh, uh, <laughs> I was hit with a sudden uh, inspiration to do some fan casting. I love doing uh, fantasy 
uh, fan casting, whatever you want to call it, for uh, characters that uh, have not had a chance to shine or uh, characters that have but need a chance to do over. I love fan casting. It's fun to do. It allows me to think outside the box, and maybe I, I look at an actor differently. There are times when I have fan casted and I thought, you know, if you only cast this person as this character, I think it would have succeeded better and I've been wrong. Then again, I've been right as well. But that's not what it's about. The point is, I enjoy it. It's a fun activity to take part in and it's a fun discussion starter. So I started thinking about the Fantastic Four. And I posted my my own fan cast of what I think uh, or whom I think the MCU Fantastic Four should be. So I went down the uh, the list. I think our our Mister Fantastic should be none other than John Krasinski. I think the internet was completely right in that one. I mean, if if you go to any fan site any youtube channel that fan casts the fantastic four chances are they're going to say the same thing that mr fantastic and the invisible woman should be played by the real life couple john krasinski and emily blunt i think that that nails it and not to mention those two actors have been in talks with marvel for a long time remember emily blunt was originally supposed to be black widow she had to drop out because she was doing another movie, and then we got Scarlett Johansson. So think about that. In an alternate world, Emily Blunt is our Black Widow. Also, John Krasinski originally tested for the role of Captain America. And according to the rumors, he was very close to getting it. So, I mean, you can take that on rumor or not, but the point is, he was on their radar. And they have a good relationship with, with those two actors, and there's always talks of bringing them in some way. So what better way than to bring them in this way? And for The Human Torch, I casted uh, an actor that you, you might not know by his actual name, but it's Joe Keery. You know him as Steve from Stranger Things, among other things, but most notably Steve. Because Johnny Storm's got to be, uh, he's got to be young, or younger, but not too young that it seems unbelievable that some kid is going to go off and do crazy, weird space adventures with this group. Uh, but, you know, you got to make him young enough so that, you know, the mature quality is just kind of not quite there. He's still learning. So with uh, Joe Keery, he's got this, this thing about him. He looks younger than he actually is. He's played younger. He's got the comedic chops needed. He's also got the serious edge for when that is needed, too. And I just think he, he needs more time to shine. So let's go with that. And speaking of Stranger Things, and I know he's already cast in the MCU, but hear me out. I always have thought David Harbour was the best choice to play Ben Grimm, a.k.a. The Thing. They're both New York boys. David's got the size for it. You put him in a mocap suit or, you know, a practical effect, whatever. That's your Ben Grimm. Yes, he's playing Red Guardian in Black Widow. I know this. But honestly, I feel like that's going to be a wasted character. I feel like he's going to be a one and done. I don't know. I haven't seen Black Widow yet. 
None of us have because we're not going to get it till November now. But I think he would be a fantastic Ben Grimm. He's got, I mean, you've seen him in his work. He's been acting for a long time. The guy's got it. He's got the chops. And he's okay with playing otherworldly kind of monstrous characters. He played Hellboy. The movie was what it was, but he was fantastic, I think. And then I decided, since I've got a Fantastic Four, now we need a Doctor Doom. And I always wanted Doctor Doom to be played by Mads Mikkelsen. And if you've seen his work, you know that that guy, he, he, he's got such depth in his performances, just in his eyes, just in his facial expressions alone, whether you're talking about his role in Casino Royale or the fact that he can just kick so much ass for very little in something like Polar or just his cunning as Hannibal Lecter in the TV show adaptation of Hannibal. I'm still mad that that show ended when it ended. But that's a conversation for another day, listeners. Anywho, unfortunately, we have already seen him in the MCU. We have already seen him play a villain in the MCU. I gotta say, I just don't see it happening now. And frankly, and I apologize, but I think he might be a little too old for the role now anyway. So I went with someone who's a little bit closer to Krasinski's age. Because remember, Victor Von Doom and Reed Richards, they've known each other since college. They were old school rivals. So you need to have two actors that are relatively close to the same age so that you could buy that. You know, you see them together, you go, yeah, I buy that those two have history from years back. So you want an actor with that. You want an actor who's got some charm, some swagger about him, even though as Dr. Doom he's going to be behind a mask for you know pretty much the whole time. You still want to have a good presence. You still want to have someone who can pull off a certain demeanor. So I went with Nikolai Koster-Valdo. And I'm sure I'm, I'm mispronouncing his first name. It's Nikolaj or Nikolai. Uh... When I saw him at the Con of Thrones convention, everyone kept pronouncing it different, and he never corrected anybody. So, uh, But you know him as Jamie Lannister on Game of Thrones. He is fantastic when you let him shine. There's a movie that I have talked about nonstop when people even bring up his name uh, called Shot Caller. It's this little indie film that he did as a, he was a... Uh, an ex-con and he gets out and the movie focuses uh his uh the way he proceeds in the the uh in the real world after he's been in prison for so long how does he adapt to his real life can he adapt to normal life and he is astounding in that movie i got to tell him personally how much i enjoyed it And I tell you, watch any of his work. I mean, absolutely watch Game of Thrones. Watch him portray Jaime Lannister. I think Jaime Lannister has one, if not the best story arc in the show. But watch him in anything else he's done. 
He can be the the cool good guy, the heartfelt good guy, or he can be the smoothest, smirkingest, deeply uh, villainous character you have ever imagined. And that's what we need. We need that dichotomy with Doctor Doom. And that's why I think Nicolas would be perfect. So that's my fan casting. And I got to thinking about it. Okay, this this idea just won't leave my brain. How would I incorporate the Fantastic Four into the MCU? I mean, now with with everything that's gone on, and if you're if you're listening this far, I'm assuming you're all caught up, caught up in the MCU. But you know, we've just had the Infinity War, the End Game. We got a little uh, kind of post End Game story with Spider Man Far From Home. So we know that uh, the, the, the space force known as S.W.O.R.D. instead of S.H.I.E.L.D. is, is uh, going to be a thing because we got to protect ourselves from global threats or uh, intergalactic threats. We know that the Eternals are coming around. Uh, that's pretty much going to be... Uh, it's hard to describe what the Eternals are going to be. Even I don't know, and I'm a self-professed fan. But the Eternals, they kind of are... Not on my radar. I'm excited for the movie just to see what it is. So we know we got that on the way. But now, with Thanos not our big bad of the Marvel Universe, where do we go? And I gotta say, I think Doctor Doom's the way to go. Because you might think he's just some dude in an armored suit, and he is that. But he's also a sorcerer. He's also one of the most brilliant minds in the planet, nay, the universe, as it turns out, if you let his characterization grow. He is a, he's a dictator. He's a ruler. And the funny thing is, everything he does, and stop me if this sounds familiar, everything he does is, is to achieve world domination, not to punish the world, but to save it. He's trying to save the world by ruling it because nobody else is worthy enough to rule it. And think about that. Think about the way our world is being run. Hell, I can look outside and look at my country and look and think, well, look how the country's being run, let alone the rest of the world. And then here comes this guy. You you incorporate these things into the Marvel's universe, which they you know, they do that. And here comes this guy in a in an iron suit who says, I'm going to save the world, but you have to kneel to me. I will be your ruler. And if you listen to me, if you obey me, the world will be saved. If you disobey me, then I'll get rid of you. Because that's how a dictatorship works. But the thing about Doom is, you got to constantly ask yourself, is he evil? He would give you some examples that show, yeah, this guy's got some evilness about him. But then he'll turn around and show you his ta- his his home of Latveria, and it's prospering. And the people of Latveria would say, because Lord Doom takes care of us. Maybe it's a bit of Stockholm Syndrome, or maybe it's just people, like, fear has warped the minds. I don't know. 
Maybe it's like a, uh, for you Walking Dead fans, maybe it's like a Negan thing. These people just accept the way things are, and things go okay. All they gotta do is pay fealty to Negan. Doom being Negan in this regard. There are a lot of different ways they could approach this. How do we incorporate it into the MCU? Well, we've introduced the idea that there are multiple realms. We've introduced time travel. We also have introduced the concept that S.H.I.E.L.D. and a lot of these other, uh, you know, kind of government agencies have been around for a very long time, even when the Avengers weren't. Maybe Hydra plays some part in it. Maybe the events of uh, Sokovia being destroyed. And that's, that's, I think, where they should go. The remnants of Sokovia being destroyed, what's left over should be taken over by this one guy who picks up the pieces and turns, his, turns it into his own kingdom. And he calls it Latveria. I mean, that, that that seems like the easiest approach. I fancy myself a writer, but, you know, there are more brilliant writers out there, so you tell me. And how would you bring about the Fantastic Four? Would, would you make it to where they've been lost this whole time and they finally find their way back due to the snap? Or is that how they develop their powers? Because the the Thanos snapped caused such a powerful cataclysmic uh, surge of energy. Sort of like how Wanda and Pietro got their powers from experiments with the Mind Stone. Maybe with all the stones combined and a snap of the fingers causing that energy surge, maybe the people left behind, maybe they... Maybe they uh, absorbed some of that energy, and maybe it did stuff to them. Or maybe Reed and the bunch were traveling through space on a secret mission. The snap happens while they're in space. They are infused with the cosmic energy, and instead of uh, instead of uh, fading away, their powers are gifted to them. Maybe. And while all that's going on, you've got this lone, uh, disfigured, scarred human being uh, trying to pick up the pieces of his home that's now destroyed. And he's going to make a new one. And his name is Victor Von Doom. You will know him as Doom. But yeah, that's what I got. I like doing speculations and fan casting and what do you think we're going to get? Throwing out ideas. I'm basically, th- this was sort of my way of creating a writer's room uh, sort of escape place that you can come in and throw your ideas. It's a, it's a think space. That's what it is. But I want to hear from you, the listener. I want to hear what your thoughts are. Do you like the Fantastic Four? Do you not? Say why. Where do you think they should pop up in the MCU? We've got a lot to think about. 
we're not going to get a presentation from Marvel Studios uh, for the Comic-Con at home this year, and uh, at least that's what it seems like, and that's that's a shame because that would have been quite a presentation. That would have been a really good reveal. But as I say, you never know. Maybe they wait it out. Maybe we get some sort of special announcement in September or October as a uh, Halloween present. I don't know. But whatever the case, I'm excited to find out. I'm excited to... I'm going to keep pondering this Fantastic Four thing. Maybe maybe I'll, uh, you know, f- for those of you in the know, maybe you know I've been kind of dabbling away on some screenplays. Maybe I'll throw in my own idea in a screenplay for the Fantastic Four. We'll see. No one will ever read it, probably, but uh, <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be fun to do. Just as a fun exercise, and it's always good to... Keep uh, your instrument, your hands busy. Keep on practicing. Practice makes perfect. That's how you get to Carnegie Hall. And that'll do it for this edition of Rantings of a Maniac, a much-needed, light-hearted episode. Remember, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram, at MarkTheBat. You can always find me here on the Feeding the Monster podcast feed, for the main show that is on Tuesdays now, Are We Wearing Pants? Where I'm, you know, I get to be blessed with everyone from the feed, the pants panel, as it were. And be sure to please check out all of our other shows on the feed. It is, it is a very, very good time. Everyone puts in so much work, and I am just so pleased to be a part of such a great group. Thank you all for listening. Good night. This is Pooh Bear from Pooh Talk, and you know, when I'm not talking about Pooh, I like to listen to other people talk. And you know who I really like to listen to is Thomas and John and Corey and Mark and Jeff on Are We Wearing Pants on the Feeding the Monster podcast feed. It's so funny. It's one of my favorite shows. I like it more than honey, and it even makes Eeyore smile.